And hello, hello to our vet, Dr. David Tabbert. How are you? G'day, Dave. Very good, thanks. Feeling good? What would you like to talk about today? Um, we're going to talk about... Uh, I've titled this Good Drugs, Bad Drugs. So you'll have to wait and we'll get into the nitty-gritty okay, of it. Okay, so we'll look forward to Good Drugs, Bad Drugs. Mm. And we've also got Denny Boz with us. Hello, Denny. How good, are you? G'day, Dave. I'm fantastic. Yes, you're looking good, as always. Thank you. We'll be talking today, continuing our segment on sensitive skin issues for dogs. Yes. So last week we discussed the topic on what topical treatment, like shampoos, conditioners you can use. Today we'll discuss nutrition-wise what you can feed your dog to help reduce those allergies or clear them. Great topic. Who mm. will we talk to? So we'll, we've got Jennifer Lawrence on the line. She'll be talking to us about those issues. She's from a company called Canada. We'll come back mm. and talk to her in just a moment as our special guest, plus your phone calls, 49216216. Give us a call in about five to ten minutes for Pet Chat, 2NURFM 103.7. Newcastle and the Hunter Valleys, 2NURFM 103.7. You are with Pet Chat for a Wednesday afternoon. My favourite part of the day is when Denny Boz has a special guest and he's got one with us right now. Thank you, Dave. Look, we've got Jennifer Lawrence on the phone. She'll talk to us about nutrition. But let me tell you a little bit about Jennifer. She's um, been breeding dogs or has bred dogs for over 30 years, Dobermans and English Springer Spaniels. She's a show dog person as well and works for a company... That's uh, Canada Dog Foods and Felidae Cat Foods, and she's their uh, business development manager there for New South Wales. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Oh, thank you, Danny. It's a real pleasure to talk about one of my favourite topics. I knew you would be the right person for this. <laughs> what um, what we've got a segment over the next few weeks is talking about um, allergies and sensitivities that dogs are getting. And last week we talked about conditioners and shampoo, omega oils that you can use for your dog. But I thought this time around, let's talk about nutrition and food. And the the company you're with, Canada, which uh, make dog foods and Felidae, which make cat foods, for them, it's more, sometimes uh, they're saying that it's more important for the ingredients that are left out than the ingredients that are put in into these foods. So can you, yeah, can you talk about uh, what are there some of these ingredients that are left out and what is included for, for dogs? I certainly can. But firstly, just can I say it's, it, it, is, um, it is a good idea to buy, um, a, you know, a soothing shampoo or conditioner for your dog if, if they're itchy or scratchy. Yes. Um, and, and, your, and your cat, if, if the cat will allow you to bathe him. But the first place you really should look at is what you're feeding your dog or your cat. Um, and with regard to what's left out of Canada and Felidae, um, that is corn, wheat, and soy. Now, while grains are not inherently a problem, um, I think there's pretty sound evidence that points the finger at wheat and soy as being potentially allergy-causing for your dog and your cat. So we, we'd suggest to your listeners a grain-free um, diet is the way to go. It is amazing when you do flick over on the back of the pack and have a look at the ingredient list, how many dog foods start off with a cereal as the first ingredient. Yes, it is a little bit amazing, isn't it? And sometimes, um, some people will call those fillers. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's their opinion. Um, but we believe in feeding um, dogs. I mean, cats are really what we call obligate carnivores. Yeah. They have to have meat. And, you know, whilst our dogs could live in the wild under, you know, living it tough, living rough, I guess, if there was a drought, they could exist on all sorts of things. But we don't want them just to survive. We want them to thrive. Yeah. And that's why, you know, the Canada, I guess, and Felidae philosophy is 
Um, 80% um, of, our, of our nutrition is made up of animal protein and 20% of carbohydrate in the form of fruits and veggies and none, no percent from grains. Which is a very important factor because dogs really, at the end of the day, are carnivores. They are indeed. They are indeed. Their whole structure is made up as a, of a carnival. You know, the way they chew, their, their teeth, their digestive system, it's all carnivoristic. With uh, dogs who do have uh, skin allergies, uh, there is certain things that have to be, I guess, looked at because sometimes it could be a grass allergy, but it also could be a food allergy. When it is a food allergy and the vet has found out that it could be, what are the the food diets or the, or the varieties of food that Canada make that would be good for a dog with skin, sensitiv- skin sensitivities that are food-related or cereal-related? Well, probably the, the number one the number one trick is first of all listen to listen if you've actually if your dog is so bad and perhaps you know he's scratched so much that he maybe have a bacterial infection there and has to have an antibiotic then of course um, listen to your vet. Yes. Uh, but you know what what the industry all of the industry seems to to focus on is giving your dog what we call a novel protein. So it won't be as a surprise I don't think to any of your listeners that most most dog and cat foods. Um, have chicken in them. Right? Yes. So that's not a novel protein. Um, but we'd suggest something like um, fish. Um, we have a what we call our part of our pure formulas, pure C, um, which is just fish full of omega-3s and a novel protein. And we've had a lot of success with it. Okay. And you've also released some new flavours or new varieties as well. What are they? We, yeah, we have indeed. They're very exciting. Two, another of the pure formulas, Pure Sky, which is duck and turkey. Again, two novel proteins. Um, And also we have something quite unusual, um, bison and lamb. Now, there are bison farms in Australia, um, and it's a very expensive meat here. I mean, commonly we don't see it much in our our local community butcher shop, but it is available in game meat shops. Um, But again, that's a novel protein, and if people want to go the red meat route, then that is an option for them. With If the dog does have a food allergy and you put him on, say, the Pure C, which is the salmon formula, yep. how long would it take for the owner to start seeing results where the dog's coat starting to come back, the itchiness is stopping and the dog is stopped scratching themselves and so forth? Well, it usually takes about a six-week period. Okay. And I would strongly advise that, that people don't give anything else in that, in that time. You know, no mm. little treats, no nothing. Um, uh, maybe a, maybe a fresh bone or, you know, some, something that's, um, n- not heavily laced with chemicals or, or so on, but just the pure C and just for six weeks only. That is really important because often even in the store we'll put, um, people, uh, or their dogs on these kind of diets, but yeah. sometimes they, they'll give them a pig's ear as a treat or some other kind of treat, which then totally negates all the good stuff that is happening in terms of eating the pure salmon formula. I, I've heard that many times, and I think it's, I mean, food equals love, let's face it, and, you know, people treat their dogs a lot, but um, it's really important to get on top of um, a suspected allergy because, as, you, as you've seen, I'm sure, that, you know, if they get to the stage where they're really scratching, 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 they can break the skin, that turns into a bacterial um, problem, a bacterial infection, and off to the vet they go. So, 
you know, we're trying to we're trying to alleviate the problem before we get to that stage. Well, look, Jennifer, thank you very much for your knowledge and experience and for the information today. And I'm sure we'll catch up another time. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for asking me, Danny. Our special guest, Jennifer Lawrence, joining us. Any more details on that, Denny? Well, I just think it is important for us to be all aware of what is in the food that we are feeding to our pets and take the time, have a look at the ingredient list on the back. And for a dog, if the first ingredient is a cereal, it could be a wheat, could be yeah. corn, like you really need to consider, okay, is, is this really very good food for my dog? No, I don't think so, because the first ingredient should be a protein. It should be a meat yeah. of some sort. So that is important. We need to educate ourselves in regards to that. It's Pet Chat. Do you have a question for our vet, Dr. David Tambert, or for Danny? We might be able to field that question and help you out. All you have to do is give us a call, 49216216. It's Pet Chat. We love your calls, 49216216. There's a free line waiting there right now. And we've got our vet, Dr. David Tambert, here saying hello right now to Brenda, who's with us from Hamlin Terrace. Oh, hi. How are you going? Oh, fine. Thank you. <laughs> what can um, we do for you today? Um, I've got a, a little dog which I rescued from the pound a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cross cavalier, something else. I'm not sure what else. <laughs> okay. Um has quite long white fur. Um, I brush him every day mm-hmm. um, and I get handfuls of fur out. I use a slicker brush. And um, even five minutes after I've brushed him, He'll walk past the furniture and there'll be white fur all over all the furniture mm. again and all over me. Yep. yep. And um, it just seems a little bit abnormal because it's the time of year he shouldn't be losing so much fur. Well, very often the turnover of coat is, uh, we do see a seasonal change, that's for yeah. sure. Um, we can see it associated with stress, uh, okay. that they'll start to accelerate the turnover of coat. Um, diet can play a role, as we've just uh, just yeah, heard with um, Danny's interview. So there's a number of different factors. I think a lot of the time, uh, we some particularly with a white dog, mm. we may uh, underestimate the amount of fur that they could lose around the house, and it's still considered normal. So right. if you're not seeing patches of hair, you know, or patches of skin that are bare where the hairs come away, or if there's no redness in the skin. Uh, and then it's probably just going to be a normal amount of hair coming away. And it may or may not align with the seasons, but, yes, yeah, certainly we do see it more um, in the sort of change of season. Um, and it really just comes down to regular brushing and washing, and you, you, you're not going to make it any better or worse, uh, or, you know, in terms of the hair loss, by washing more or less, although you'll keep the skin healthier and so you might uh, be able to affect it that way, but it, it may just be a normal amount that we're losing. Okay. So, so just regular brushing. Yeah. yeah, and if you use the um, like the, the comb or the brush that's got the slightly bent tooth on it, yeah. and that actually will drag any dead hair out of the skin as well so that you know it's coming away with your brushing rather than turning up elsewhere. Mm. Uh, and then use a uh, softer brush to finish off with. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, Brenda. Four nine two one six two one six. If you'd like to call through for pet chat, we'd love to hear from you. Debbie joins us now from Mulbring. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you today? Hi, Debbie. Very good. What can we do for you? Good. I've got an Oscar fish that I inherited some time ago, and mm-hmm. in the last four weeks, he's gone off his food. He's lying on the bottom of the tank. And I've been reading quite a lot of information on the internet and he looks like he's developed, I think, what they call hole in the head. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've checked his water. I've, I've changed to a new filter sponge. Uh, the pH is good. The nitrite is good. The ammonia is good. Um, he won't eat anything. I've tried to put it into his mouth, and he just spits it out. Um, mm. And he, he flicks around, and then he darts around, and then he lays back down on the ground again. Um, and I just don't know what to do for him. I've, tr- I've changed the water frequently, um, and everything yep. seems to be good. Um, but I just don't know what to do for him. Well, you've done all the right things up front, um, that uh, you're checking the environment, and that's probably the number one thing that we see problems with when we start to see these ulcerative diseases um, in your Oscar. um, As long as you've checked all of those things, it may be that um, after you've checked it, everything seems to be in balance, but there might have been a time when there was uh, a temperature change or the amount of um, solids in the water was too high, and right. that's, that's initiated this um, infection in your fish. But like us and like our dogs and cats and so on, uh, you may need to speak to a vet about a course of antibiotics okay. um, for your fish because uh, very often once they get to that stage, um, they may need some antibiotics. Now... Medicating fish. Uh, a lot of people say, "How do you do? How do you get the tablets in?" <laughs> um, but there's various ways because obviously they're you know they're swimming in water. Well, we could use something that's dissolved in the water. Right. Um, okay. But sometimes what we find is you have to have like a treatment tank that they yeah. go into for a period of time because okay. otherwise the actual amount that you you might have other fish or the volume of the tank that they're in is too large. So you really need to speak to a veterinarian who's experienced with. Uh, uh, fish and can advise you um, what medications would be appropriate. You might need some samples to be looked at, and especially about uh, m- delivering the meth- uh, medications that can often be a challenge as well. But I would, yeah. I think you're at the point where you've done all the right things. Yeah. And certainly, okay. if, if ever I see someone comes in and they've got problems with their fish in that way, we'll, we would go through all of those things that you've already checked. Mm-hmm. Before right. before we reach for the medication, so okay. you've already done all the first steps. Right. Okay. Then I'll, okay. I'll, I'll I'll see if I can book in to organise something about antibiotics. All right. And if you speak with your local vet, if they've um, experienced, if they're not, they should be able to refer you to someone who can help you out for sure. Okay, so thank you so much for your call, Debbie. It is 49216216. If you'd like to call through for Pet Chat, we'd love to hear from you. Easy listening to and you are FM 103.7. G. Wayne Thomas, and open up your heart. 22 to 1, good afternoon. It's Pet Chat. Great to have you with us. Our vet, Dr. David Tabret, is here. Danny Boz is here. And we're taking your calls also on 49216216. We're making our way to Summerland Point, where we've got to Carol waiting patiently there. Hello, Carol. Oh, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, Carol. What can we do for you? Um, I've got a Labrador. He'll be 14 years old in September. Yep. Um, he had uh, vertigo approximately three weeks ago, mm-hmm. quite severely, where he could barely stand up. That seems to have passed now, but he's still weak in the back leg. And every time, only one side, and every occasionally when he goes to stand or run, he just collapses. Is this a normal part of side effects and vertigo? Or? <laughs> um, we, there's, there's, there's a condition when we say vertigo, that's yeah. a, that's a feeling that we as humans can describe yeah. where we losing balance and so on. Now, because it's a feeling we describe, we can't say that a pet has that, but they show symptoms of vestibular disease, yeah. which is where they get the flickering eyes and a head tilt and they fall to one side. He didn't have the flickering eyes. Didn't have he the took flickering it to the vet eyes. because initially I thought he might have had a tick. 
Yes. Um, but he was tilted dramatically to one side. As soon so, as saw him, he said it's vertigo. Was his head tilted or his body? His, his head. His head. Head, yeah. Okay. There's a number of things that can cause that. Um, it could be ear disease. Right. Okay. Uh, but usually if you've got weakness associated with it, is the weakness on the same side as the head tilt or the opposite side? Same side. Same side. Yeah. Okay. So it's probably, uh, I mean, you could have ear disease as well, but right. you've probably got what we call central vestibular disease. Right. Um, now that is uh, a condition that isn't always good. Um, yeah. Okay, because what happens is the head tilt will self-correct, and the reason yeah. the head tilt corrects yeah. is because that is um, being detected by the ears, the balance organs in our ears, and so the brain is mixing up the signal, and uh, what happens there is that the brain starts to compensate. Right, okay. that's past the head tilt, yeah. Yes, yeah. and so the head tilt goes away, but the weakness that you're seeing is associated with uh, disruption of nerve signals to those right. legs, okay? Right. But yeah. that the body can't compensate for that. Mm. The body can compensate for the head tilt because you've got a balance organ on the left and a balance organ on the right. Right. But you can't compensate for the weakness. Uh, occasionally when he sneezes, he almost falls over too. Yeah. So it may well be that he has some form of intracranial disease that's affecting his uh, brain stem. And this okay. is where the signal's coming in. Okay. And right. the nerve fibres uh, travel down through that area. You don't initiate movement from that area. That's mm. higher up. But the nerve fibres travel through. So I would be concerned that he's got some sort of uh, disease in his brainstem. Yeah. Obviously, in older dogs, we're concerned about things like tumours. Right. Um, but we also see th you know, types of infections, granulomas, and also degenerative diseases. Yeah. Yeah, so, as I said, he'll be 14 this year. Yeah. He's got lumps all over him. He has breathing problems. Um, he had bronchopneumonia and pleurisy about five years ago. He's never fully recovered from that. Yeah, that knocked yeah. you around. So yeah. there's a number of things. I think the weakness, we're not really going to see that go away. And I guess long, you know, longer term, and obviously that's a relative phrase, but uh, longer term we may see things get a little bit worse um, uh, and you need to keep on top of that and keep in touch with your vet to make sure that he's uh, kept comfortable through that, throughout all of that. Okay, Carol, thank you for that. 49216216 is the phone number if you'd like to call through for Pet Chat, 49216216. Around four weeks ago, we took a phone call from Lorene. She was making an inquiry about a fish. Now, we had a call about a fish uh, only a matter of moments ago from we Debbie did, from, from Debbie. Yep. Did you have a follow-up there and something for Lorene and her fish issue? Yes. Uh, now... If listeners may remember, what happened was that uh, Laureen described her fish was actually all curved and uh, tilted, and it was sort of hard to describe. So um, she very kindly sent me an email with a photo attached, and um, exactly as she described, actually, her fish was quite twisted. Oh. Uh, and being supported by the other fish, what a good mate he was. Um, How do they do that, one of they? So swim alongside him. Yeah, it got underneath him. Yeah. So um, just I just wanted to hopefully Laureen's listening and um, get back to her about this as well, and I'll send back an email with a more detailed response. But uh, I consulted with some colleagues who have uh, seen this problem before, and I've got some replies. So it turns out that there's like humans and like dogs, you can get a condition called scoliosis, which is curvature of the spine. This can happen due to a number of reasons. It could be due to an infection. 
in the spine and a, a collapse of the bony vertebra. It could be due to a tumour doing the same sort of thing. Obviously, trauma um, from previous experience may cause that. Unfortunately, there's no treatment that is uh, suitable. Um, if the fish is able to cope with scoliosis and get around and swim around, or he's got a mate to help him, then uh, obviously that's going to be okay. But longer term, it may not be you know, viable for him to keep going if he's not able to swim and eat and so on. Right, so, okay then. Well, yeah, a bit of a solution there. follow up, yeah. Thank you for that one, and hopefully Lorraine gets that message. Oh. A reminder to you also, if you're listening to Pet Chat, if you've got a family or friend who, who's got an animal, maybe they've got a problem and you hear something which you think could be relevant for them, they can also follow up by listening to our podcast, and our podcast is at 2NURFM.com. Just go to our website, look at podcasts, and you'll see Pet Chat is there. And you can have a listen to that. You can download it, either you or a friend or family member, and you can listen to Pet Chat at the time you like as a podcast. Your topic today that you want to to talk about please david oh look i i was trying to come up with a title for this good drugs and bad drugs but really what i wanted to talk about was um we've talked about toxins before you know dogs you know can't eat chocolate should need onions grapes macadamias and so on had a um, dog in with suspected macadamia toxicity recently actually but a big topic we see a lot of uh is use of medications that um you know when they're used appropriately Okay, quite helpful, but when um, they're used either as an animal gets too much, an overdose, or it's the wrong drug. And the one we really see that's a good example is uh, ibuprofen. Now, we're all familiar with um, compounds like uh, Nurofen, and there's a few other brands, obviously, that actually supply ibuprofen for our aches and pains and so on. Um, and this particular drug and others like it are in a class called non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And what they do is they actually help to reduce inflammation and pain in the body uh, by blocking prostaglandins. And these are chemicals and hormones that travel around and uh, when there's inflammation or pain. But they also, some prostaglandins have another function where they actually promote mucus production in the stomach and protect the stomach or regulate blood flow through the kidney. So one of the things that if you have too much of the wrong type of drug is it could cause problems with the stomach or kidney. Now, ibuprofen, as we know, is quite useful for people, but dogs are extremely sensitive to it, and it's not a good drug. It has very little effect in terms of pain relief, but it can really damage their stomach. And what will happen is that they can ulcerate their stomach. So ibuprofen, uh, good for people, not so good for dogs, There are other better anti-inflammatories around. And as I said, we have seen it where people have either given their dog some anti-inflammatory like ibuprofen thinking, well, he's got a bit of arthritis or something and we'll just give him that. Or more likely, the dog grabs the handbag or grabs the the packet off the the counter and uh, chews up a whole packet. And that's a bit nasty. The other one we see too is um, paracetamol. Along the same lines, but in cats, paracetamol is quite dangerous because it actually damages red blood cells. So it's a nasty drug for cats, um, and a lot of uh, anti-inflammatories are in that same group. They're nasty for cats and not very useful for dogs. And that's an example of where we see these differences between species. So if you're ever thinking, oh, my dog looks a bit you know, worn out, a bit weary, took him for a walk, maybe he's got arthritis, I'll just give him this pill that I take, uh, it's a no-no. Best to go and see your vet and find out what's going on and get the right medication and get the advice about, you know, what to give, what not to give. 
That's good drugs. That's bad drugs. Yeah. And that's our vet, Dr. David Tabbert. We'll take a short break. If you want to give us a call, 49216216 is a free line there right now. You'll get through to our vet, Dr. David Tabbert, on 49216216 for Pet Chat on 2NURFM. Newcastle and Hutter Valley's 2NURFM 103.7. It's Pet Chat for a Wednesday afternoon, and we like you giving us a call. 49216216, waiting patiently to talk to our vet, Dr. David Tabbert, is Chris at Carter. Hello, Chris. Uh, hi, I've got a 12-month-old cat or kitten, and he mm-hmm. keeps suckling. And I'm just wondering what I can do to stop him from suckling. Like, he suckles on my fiancé's um, dressing gown every night. Okay, okay. Chris, it's... um. Uh, this is something right up Dr. Bob's alley, isn't it? But oh, yeah. it is a, it is a, it's a, like a comfort behaviour. So very yeah. often, um, how old was he when you, um, got him? We got him from the RSPCA. I think he was eight to ten weeks old. Okay. So we don't really know at what stage he was weaned off his mother or taken away. And he's had obviously a couple of house shifts, you know, transits and so on. But a lot yep. of lot of cats will do this very often into um, old age as a comfort measure. Um, okay. Rather than just sitting there and purring, they can often start uh, sucking on um, either you or bits of material is more likely. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember my wife's uh, old cat used to do this many years ago and the thing you have to watch out for is that they actually can start to ingest the bits of fibre so, right, yes. you know, cotton threads or woolen threads. Um, and just make sure that um, we're not ingesting anything or getting it wrapped around the bottom of the tongue because their tongue is actually like barbed. Yes. Uh, it can be difficult oh, for them. On that. Yeah, and they can end up with problems in the mouth or if they swallow it, it could cause problems. So usually there's not a lot you can do about it except maybe identify what the potential stressor is at the time that makes him want to go and do that but as i said some okay. some cats will just that's that's the way they keep themselves calm for the rest of their life so you may find there's not much more you can do about it okay chris there you yeah. go thank you for your call 49216216 for pet chat this afternoon we're here till one o'clock then we've got the latest in local news from the hunter newsroom now you are going to write a paper for those oh, who yes. are listening on what so, you just spoke about good yes. drugs and bad drugs talking about uh the use of um, various medications and watching for overdoses and so on. So I'll be uh, putting up an article on our website at uh, naec.net.au where you can also, uh, Dave mentioned the podcast, and we've also got the uh, podcast up there as well. So go on to there. There's plenty of fact sheets, including a story uh, about today's article. Danny, the cosy heat pad that you brought in, tell us about that. Well, I remember the story you told me about your grandmother really liking her electric blanket. Mm. She loves it, doesn't she? Loves it, yeah. <laughs> Very cold. They're not used to that. Anyway, what I thought is, let's talk about electric blankets for okay. dogs. Oh, okay. So they are available. It, they're, they're called a heat pad. You can just plug it in, put it under their bedding, keep them warm during the night. They're great for older dogs, arthritic dogs, great for puppies as well. And they can be used not only for dogs, but cats and you know, um, reptiles as well. Do so they like them? Do you think they like them? They, once they feel the heat, they really love to just sit there and mm. uh, enjoy it. I imagine cats off. would love it. You do, um, you do need to make sure that there's a blanket between, it. between them. Now, a lot of these pads work on the, the transfer of heat depends on pressure. So if you put your hand on it and you think, oh, it's not really warm, 
there could be once you're actually putting lying on top of it. Uh, the very important thing to note, it doesn't really happen with sleeping animals because they move around, but oftentimes these can be, when we have um, anaesthetized animals, because they don't move, they can get burns on the skin. So just if you've got a dog that like is a much older dog that probably would sleep through a hurricane, just be aware that it could potentially cause burns. Yeah, you never put... Put the dog on the actual Not directly head, on no, them. No. Got to have some kind of bedding over the top. But they're a great yeah. idea. Mm. I do that. Okay, that's a good one then. Thank you for that. Is there any events on this this week? No events. No, this no week events that I'm aware of. Uh, winter. Right. Who will we have yes, with us next Wednesday for our vet? Um, <laughs> well, no, not me because I'm off to. Good to uh, see that you're prepared. <laughs> I have to check the schedule. Uh, next week, um, yeah, I'll get back to you. That's our pet chat. Thank you very much for being so organised. Our vet, Dr. David Tabbert. Thank you to Denny Boz for being a part I'll of it again. Here. I'll be here. I'll oh, be here. Don't worry. Denny will be here. It. You have a great week. Thank you so much. Don't forget, this is a podcast. You can hear it at 2NURFM.com. It's two away from one, the latest news soon. Then John Slavin at 2NURFM, 103.7.